0: Welcome to Frontline Frontline Voices, Voices.
1: a podcast by the Natural Resources Council of Maine. We We all share share a love for
0: Maine's environment. Every day, decisions are made that could impact our woods, waters, wildlife, and climate.
1: Join us as we share stories of Mainers working to build healthier communities and protect what makes Maine so special. April is National Poetry Month, and for this episode of Frontline Voices, We've chosen to republish a powerful poetry reading and discussion that our former host, Carly Periccio, had with Maine-based poet Richard Blanco for the 50th anniversary of Earth Day. In March of this year, Blanco was awarded with the National Humanities Medal by President Biden at the White House. The National Humanities Medal, inaugurated in 1997, honors individuals and groups whose work has deepened the nation's understanding of the humanities and broadened our citizens' engagement with history, literature, languages, philosophy, and other humanities subjects. The original recording with Richard Blanco occurred in 2020 at the beginning of the pandemic, so you can expect to hear a little reflection about that, but the whole conversation goes much deeper. We hope that by rebroadcasting our conversation with Richard, We have given our listeners space to reflect and rest among the very busy legislative session that's underway and the very busy lives we all lead. Enjoy.
2: Hi, I'm Richard Blanco, 2013 presidential inaugural poet and memoirist.
3: Cloud Anthem. Until we are clouds that tear like bread, but mend like bones, until we weave each other like silk sheets shrouding mountains or bear the gales that shear us until we soften our hard edges free to become any shape we imagine a rose or an angel crafted like paper mache by breezes or a lion or dragon like marble chiseled by gusts until we scatter ourselves into pebbles of gray puffs then band together like stringed pearls until we learn to listen to each other as thunderous as opera or as soft as a showered lullaby. Until we truly treasure the sunset, lavish it in mauve, rust, and rose. Until we have the courage to vanish like sails into the horizon, or be at peace anchored still. Until we move without any measure, as vast as continents, or as petite as islands, floating in an abyss of virtual blue we all belong to. Until we dance tango with the moon and comfort the jealous stars falling. Until we care enough for the earth to bless it as morning fog. Until we realize we're as muddy as puddles, as pristine as lakes, not yet clouds. Until we remember we're born from rivers and dewdrops until we are at ease to dissolve as wispy showers not always needing to clash like godly yells of thunder until we believe lightning isn't our right to the ground that we can collude into storms that ravage we can also sprinkle ourselves like memories until we tame the riot of our tornadoes settle down into a soft drizzle into a daydream Though we may curse with hail, we can absolve with snowflakes. We can die valiant as rainbows and hold light like blood in our lucid bodies. We can decide to move boundlessly without creed or desire until we are clouds meshed within clouds, sharing a kingdom with no king, a city with no walls, a country with no name, a nation without any border or claim, until we abide as one, together in one single sky.
0: Thank you for such a beautiful reading. Thanks. I'm curious to know, as you read this poem today, what are some of the feelings that that evokes for you, or what are you thinking about?
2: That poem was conceived as part as a the most recent book which had more of a social political sort of slant to it and the the poem originally in some ways was, you know, about healing those divisions, about understanding how we're all sharing the same space, you know, using clouds as a metaphor for that. But of course, in the context of today, I never thought I'd see that division through the lens of this pandemic, right? And how it, in some ways we're seeing the divisions, but also seeing how we're coming together under a different context, given a different context. So for me, the poem is sort of still speaking about that oneness, but also having the context of nature in there, which is what I was drawing on. And thinking about how, I mean, viruses are part of nature. Right? <laughs> they're also part of what we're having to deal with ecologically and all these other interesting things that are happening. Like, And that's kind of what I wanted to do with the poem, too. It wasn't like, oh, let's just hold hands and walk off into the sunset and be one. But clouds are messy. Clouds are storms. And clouds are, you know, there's lightning. And there's, you know, they're not always the same, yet there's an ecosystem or a balance that finds its way. So all that's sort of floating through my mind right now.
0: Thanks for sharing that. And, you know, obviously your work shines a lens on injustices and oppressions and and violence. That's part of the American story. But I think just as a reader, I felt really almost hopeful when I read your references to nature as a unifier. How do you find that the natural world or the nature of Maine specifically shapes your writing and your poetry?
2: A couple of dimensions to this answer. One is my landscapes have changed, but even growing up in Miami, you know, Cuban, you know, the palm trees, <laughs> you know, you're always surrounded by a sense of nature, of weather, of of environment, right? And you're outdoors a lot. And you know, I've traveled and lived in several places, but in Maine right now, I live also in a weird way, surrounded by nature as well, in a whole different kind of landscape. So I live on 15 acres of Basically, I live in a forest. (laughs) So the presence of nature is like constantly there. And I think I and I think I'm not the only poet to do that. But, you know, nature is the ultimate home. Nature is the thing that every human being belongs to. It's primordial. So it's obviously a great device in poetry that we've used. Not necessarily on purpose, but certainly very cognizant of the idea that nature is a unifier, right? Because who who cannot relate to a moon or a seascape or a pine tree or you know a palm tree? That's sort of the the common human denominator that we have, and so we always nature is a built-in metaphor to have us sort of connect to. Even in the inaugural poem uh, from 2013, you know, this idea of one sun, one moon, one wind, one earth while the the poem moves from these, or breathes from these large ideas of how we're all connected through nature to the small elements of our day-to-day life, but knowing that there's a larger connection that exists. And that was part of what I tried to do in the poem. So yeah, nature's always in some ways employed in poetry, um, in my poetry at least.
0: This is returning to Cloud Anthem. I know that it's the last poem in your book, how to Love a Country, and I read in the author's note at the end that the title of this poetry collection is both, you know, a hope and also a question. I'm curious to know how you see Cloud Anthem play into both the hopes that you have and also the continued work.
2: The book as a whole sort of has a, an arc or a trajectory of, you know, moving us through various political issues, both from historical but also a personal and then a present day looking more in the gray area because i think that's what artists do is not you know clearly we know what the polarized ends of these issues are but rather trying to find another another door another another possibility so while at the same time it's critique it's also sort of offering a new vision shall we say um the title of the book, I, I always say, you know, how to love a country is really a question mark. It really, it's really a question, because it's also like, what is a country anymore? When we think about where we are now in the 21st century, this idea of a country being this neat little border, that's a, like an outdated narrative, which many people are still trying to cling to, and many countries are going through the phase of a return to isolationism for that very nature of trying to control the narrative. But I mean, come on, our world is connected so many ways there's another kind of organic narrative that's being written about our interconnectivity right our interdependence and so cloud anthem in a way speaks to that it speaks to i think a shift that needs to happen a shift in paradigm or a shift in consciousness away from this tribal idea of boundary and a tribal idea of uh, lack of uh, of survival of individualism of isolation of competition to the space where we need to move to which is about cooperation not competition in terms of climate change you know that that's the kind of thing you know that takes cooperation and the paris accord was one i think most historical moments in human history where like you know us knuckleheads finally got together on one thing, you know humans are slow i mean they're slow to change and then you know short memories and then one generation after they're like what what climate change you know like so um Yeah, I think that poem speaks to the idea of, you know, a balanced kind of ecosystem of cooperation, again, not a Pollyanna kind of look at things, I mean, but also just how how do we find that balanced eco-psycho-spiritual balance, right?
0: Now, is there anything else that you would like to add about this poem, this time, or anything that I haven't asked you that you would like to share? as we're celebrating the 50th anniversary of Earth Day.
2: I guess I would just want to sort of re-emphasize some of what this poem was trying to do, which is not to overly romanticize nature with a capital N, like the romantic poets used to do, right? <laughs> like, But that to really understand the complexities of that and to really understand that it, it's not that simple and it's not that difficult either. I think sometimes we have an abstracted notion Especially if you are like me, we can overly romanticize or or oversimplify things and be, you know, in a way polarized ourselves. But to understand that it's really about that there are many dimensions to what we're dealing with as a species and what we're dealing with the earth. And sometimes, you know, we've created this whole paradigm that's built around oil. Yes, it's wrong or whatever, but it's not, there's no easy fix, I guess what I'm saying. The other thing is kind of like, I guess, making me think now. And I think Maine is a great example of this, you know, of working within communities. I say, to use a cliche, think globally, but act locally. Don't forget to do what you can in these communities. Like, no, it's not just this, this issue that's like, cross the board over the entire Earth, but rather what you can do right now. Sometimes the simplest things can happen and make such an impact, like the whole plastic bag thing. Why did it take us so long to do that? I have no idea why because we're thinking, "Oh my god, you know, we got to stop the refineries. Why we just stop using plastic bags? How about we just do that?" <laughs> you know? And it's amazing how it, you know, it just caught on and every community one after the other to saying, "Yeah, why are we doing this? It might not solve the entire global crisis of climate change, but at least we can do this, right?" And if we do this and we do that and we do So understand the complexity of that and I think that's what that poem is trying to establish. One other thing I always look to nature too is somehow this inconsistent consistency, right? So, how can we as human beings, you know, I think that's part of the primordial sense that we're also connected to nature because we want to be consistent, we want to have stability, we want to have predictability, and yet we want to reinvent ourselves every day nature knows how to do that a tree is still a tree but look at a tree over a year how much it changes or the forest it's still a forest and yet every day it's different out there there's always something different the wind is blowing right now picking up little tiny leftover leaves from the fall mixed with the snow
0: you
2: know with these little snow showers and so i think it offers us a metaphor on how to live you know it's about always being able to change but always being consistent in who we are i think in the same way as we become more of a global people, you know, how do you keep your narrative of who I am as a gay Cuban man, whatnot, and yet realize that that narrative is just part of a larger narrative, right? How do you celebrate? How do you understand your individuality, your cultural identity and all the rest while recognizing that at the end of the day, that's all enmeshed and interconnected to a larger sense of identity and self. And nature gives us that, that paradigm, that kind of example.
1: Thank you for listening to Maine Environment, Frontline Voices. Since 1959, NRCM has been tapping into the power of Maine people, science, and the law to protect and enhance the nature of Maine.
3: To learn more about our work protecting Maine's environment, visit nrcm.org or follow us on social media at nrcmenvironment.